Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. That's us and it's a whole bunch of yolls and howdies from the Austin circuit, the uh, circuit of the Americas for the Grand Prix, the US, United States Grand Prix, which uh, is going to be one of three next year, but it'll still be the United States Grand Prix. We've watched it. It's been run. It's been won. Harry Tucker, welcome. KO Mini or full race replay? Mini. And this is like a proper straight Mini this time. Connor McNally? Yeah, I have to say Mini. I was almost tempted to go to the full race, but yeah, KO Mini. I'm calling it. What's the whole race, folks? I enjoyed that. Wow. Okay. I think we can get through it. Yeah, look. Let's be honest. There's a couple of piss breaks. Like there's time, but it's oh, it's a good race. Um, it it, right, it went from start to finish. I'm gonna just. I mean, we haven't done many this year that have been worthy of a full race replay, and I think that and if anything, that's that's a reason mm-hmm. to do it. Um, so yeah, it was a cracker. Um, look, I think a lot of us as fans viewing this track and maybe playing it in the game and things like that love this circuit. Like it is purpose built. It's not a street circuit. It's racy. Um, I think Harry, just without going into detail about what we saw, do you think this circuit is living up to what we expect of it? I think in terms of uh, what we want from racing, I I don't know. Um, But in terms of the feel of it and, and what feels like a classic proper racetrack with with different altitudes and the right, you know, the right type of corners and speed and spectacle and things like that. I think definitely. But in terms of what what sort of pure racing, I think you're right, Harry. The the pure racing maybe isn't there, but Connor, it is. It it does deliver the spectacle um, more. I think more so than than a street circuit in a you know crowded area. I have to agree with that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, I think the good thing about Coda is it's got character. It does have character in terms of the racing. It lacks at times, but we have seen some really good racing, and this morning's race was probably a good case of that. But it's more the atmosphere that brings that character to the Coda circuit, and like four hundred and forty thousand across the weekend. I mean, that's a massive and crowd. That, that turn one crowd on the outside of turn one, it looks ridiculous. But then you just remember what what happens at like NASCAR races and IndyCar races, Harry. The, I mean, it is immense what they do to fill stands at a, a circuit at a race isn't it i mean that's that's oh, what happens in america awesome. i love it it's so cool like that the the atmosphere there that you could just see through the tv screen was yeah. was electric um and just how high it seemed like it went above the stands and everything like that it just even from tv it looked awesome i would yeah i would love to be there yeah i think i think it's it's one for the one for the bucket list um and i think what's what what's even better about it is that it's just it's just kind of this. Even though there's going to be three races in America, um, I still think this is kind of the standout because the other two are. I think we'll judge them in the long run as being purely for vanity and and essentially revenue and maybe for spectator um, you know, input and awareness. But as as races, I think the as Martin often says that shot head on of cars coming at the camera through those twists and bends at the front end of the circuit. There's there's really nothing like it. It was a good race. Um, Max Verstappen wins and takes uh, a very clear, 
obvious world championship, which was already confirmed in Japan, but Red Bull gets the constructors. We'll go through the details of that a little later with Connor. Lewis Hamilton in second. We'll get to how good and close that was. Charles Leclerc in third. Sergio Perez fourth. George Russell fifth. Norris Alonso. I've got so much to say about that in seventh. Vettel with, honestly, proof that you can pass in places you wouldn't have expected on this track in the last few laps. Um, K-Mag gets ninth uh, and Yuki Tsunoda tenth. I mean, let's talk about the opening corner. This is an interesting one, boys, because it's it's very unique. It's an uphill run to the first turn. Um, it's any any turn has a clear line, but this one's tough to sight and break. But then when you add you know three cars wide and all the way around, it, it's never going to be an interesting thing. So you've got a you got a problem where signs was taken by Max off the start, and then kind of twisted back as if to do a kind of wider loop into second into into turn two but connor he then collided with george for which george got a five second penalty let's get your view where does that sit now having reflected on it after the full race i think it was a racing incident to be quite honest with you i don't think there was any malice intended uh obviously it was going to be uh oh he hit me or you know he crossed my line i couldn't get you know i had no choice but to run into him to me, that was a racing incident. It didn't deserve a five-second penalty in the grand scheme of things. But as it turned out, that five-second penalty, which he did serve in the first pit stop, was negated when the safety car came out, the first safety car. So, you know, it all neutralised in the end. Mm. Harry, what are your thoughts now on reflection? Upon reflection is a good uh, good way to preface it there because I think at first I, I was definitely leaning towards it looking like it was George's fault, um, not giving him space in the racing line, but... I think that opinion has actually sort of been formed due to the inconsistencies with these types of calls where I think a couple of years ago, I would immediately have gone racing incident. Let's just keep going. But now, you know, it's, it's, it's like it, that's there's precedent and that's been set that those types of things will be called. And so now it's kind of like a weird mental expectation, even though in my gut, I think it's a racing incident. Which is what's wrong about that kind of precedent setting is I think we we had a period where opening lap, opening corner incidents, except for things that are just insane, uh, should be seen as racing incidents because we want racing. Like the whole point of yes. this should be to encourage racing in the same way that just quietly at the start of the year we went white lines are tracks and there's no more discussion about it rather than frigging around with that for the last couple of years, right? So those are good things. Oh. I'll be honest, I thought from the get-go, there's no way that was um, a penalty-inducing incident. From the get-go, I thought it was a racing incident, and I stand by that because even looking at the onboard of signs, he came through the corner and he turned left to get a – he was going for a better line into two, there's no doubt about it, because what he could have done – was keep going straight and be behind Max. But that's not the racer's instinct. The racer's instinct is to go, right, how can I get a better line to the next turn? But George was there. And George was doing what many people do on the opening lap, uh, opening corner of the uh, Circuit of the Americas, and that is take the inside line and hope that you can outbreak and push through. I just think it's ridiculous that he got a five-second penalty. I'm glad that it was neutralized by the safety car, but I think Mercedes should be unhappy with that generally. And I think that stewards should look at that as going, Science brought that upon himself. Sorry, buddy. You, you you had a bad start. Max nailed you, and um, you didn't quite get there. So that was a bummer. But what's fascinating is so Science is he, he spins. He's out of the race with apparently a water leak or something. But um, he he garages at the next lap. So he goes from first to out in one lap, which is 
a pretty shocking way for him to start his Grand Prix. But Connor, Lance Stroll was in third there for a while. I mean, that was not a bad result. And frankly, overall, a great weekend for Aston Martin was on the cards. Absolutely. And I think everyone was shocked, Hummy, again, that Lance was in third position. I mean, that is a good pace. Say again. Even Lance was shocked. Yeah, he was. It must have really upset you, Trevor. Seen him so far up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It pretty much, uh, it pretty much yeah. embedded his his father's view of him as being the racer's racer. <laughs> Look, I was shocked because like he's had an on and off year, and I mean, let's face it, the Aston Martin hasn't been the best car. It has improved gradually as the season has progressed, and they've just been in the right place at the right time to pick up the points when necessary. But yeah, I think it, Lance was very lucky by the fact that. There were some grid penalties that helped him move up the grid. And then, of course, that, that great start. As soon as Carlos and, and George collided, that was the perfect opportunity for Lance to get up into the top three. And he did that. And that was a very good start by Lance. And and only lasted by the first five laps. But, you know, I think he made good while he was in the top three. Did very well. Um, nine laps in, it was Aston Martin fourth and fifth. Um, Leclerc back in seventh. So, Harry, it was kind of looking like a very fascinating top 10 there for a while. Um, you know, we did have some incidents to, that we'll talk about, but it, it looked kind of strong and interesting there for a bit, especially for Aston Martin, but uh, also not great for Ferrari. No, no. With like Charles Leclerc was, I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but it was, his race was very interesting because it started off quite weird and quite, he, he was sort of stuck in the middle and um, wasn't really going places and he was kind of like the last little bit of faith there left in, I think about seventh place when that came out. Um, and, but then towards the end, he, he was incredible. I, I thought anyway, so it was just weird seeing he like almost the had these two different races, not just, track, not just the tires, but the car literally yeah. came to it. Um, because yeah. he was, he didn't, um, he didn't get first or second, but he was side by side with Max competing with, or, well. with, 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 with Max out of the pits and, you know, there was some good driving there. And the thing is, Harry, he, Leclerc benefited from a safety car stop um, yes. after Bottas got beached, which, you know, that's that's the roll of the dice people have. And so outside of that um, safety car pit, you've got Verstappen ahead of Hamilton, Perez, Leclerc was in fourth then. Uh, Russell, who by then had served his five-seconder, Vettel and Stroll. So it's still a, a, an unusual top six or seven, which is good, but whew. The restart was a cracker. I mean, Max Max really hit the hit the gas early. It was a, I felt like a really long um, uh, gas moment. You know, in terms of the restart, it wasn't like it was just before the last turn, or it was like three or four turns back. Connor, it, it was an interesting place to really get on it for the restart. Yeah, he, he he just waited until it was the right moment, and then he went for it. And yeah, normally you would wait to at least. I guess one or two turns before you go for it, but I think he just knew as soon as uh, as soon as he allowed Bern Mylander to, to drive away, he waited for the right moment to to pounce, and he did that, and uh, he basically got the gap on everyone else as soon as he crossed the line, and uh, it was a very smart play by Verstappen because, you know, he he was determined to win this race, very very determined. Down the back straight, Harry uh, Fernando Alonso. Right in the um, in the slipstream of Lance Stroll, one of those you know slipstreams where you go, mate, are you close enough? Um, and it's always <laughs> remarkable. How they, always remarkable how they pull out. It's just like driving on the M two. Yeah, <laughs> um, it, but I've always I've always wished for more kind of helicopter shots of these moments. Mm. 
um, because yeah. it looks on board super close, but I actually think it's like a car length or maybe, but you know, you never really know. Um, well, that was that graphic is good, right? Not yeah, they didn't use it here, but the one where we can see it. what the seconds and meters equal. That, that graphic has come to us. We, we, we didn't like it at first. I loved it, but it's come to us all, I think. But Harry, uh, Fernando kind of misjudged this one on Stroll. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, everyone was a little bit late, but I think ultimately you're going to say it's Fernando's fault there. Um, yeah, I think it was a late move to try and get around him. And yeah, Fernando probably wouldn't say that, but that was, it was, that was like a spectacle. It was a, it was a really good crash in the sense of it had the right mix of visually looking really exciting for the fans, but no one got hurt. And in fact, freaking Fernando ended up finishing seventh after that somehow. Is that I saw two blokes with like 10 laps to go going, how is Fernando still in this race? Yeah. I got distracted somewhere there. I, got a, I had absolutely no idea that he was not parked on the side of the track because there was, so you, you see Fernando uh, moves left, Stroll moves left as well. I'm sorry, Fernando, you didn't move left early enough. You were too close. You, that's Fernando's fault, full stop in my view. And if, if there's any other outcome to that, it's outrageous. Um, so Fernando, Mark Webber, Valencia style launches, but fortunately, unlike Mark Webber, doesn't flip and does a fair dinkum wheelie, like mm. non, no mucking around. Are you looking wheelie, at the floor of the wheel, car? Front wheel in the air, looking at the floor, front of the car. By the way, Fernando turns right in the air. You know, when you're playing Forza or something and you turn as if to, <laughs> there's yeah. nothing going to happen. Yes. But it's interesting because when he landed, <laughs> it's, he still hit the, he still hit a barrier, but he did. As he was turning right, I think that might have helped him just ever so much. And he lands from this air moment, Connor. And I honestly thought he was on the side of the track because there was a recovery vehicle there under safety car for three or four laps. You know, Stroll's car was obliterated and in pieces all across the track. Fernando apparently drove to the pits and just got new tires. What the hell? I'm, I'm still trying to work out how he managed to finish the race. That car took an almighty hit from the, you know, hitting Stroll and the, the air that he took. I mean, that would have done some, some pretty serious damage to the, the undertray of the car. But for some reason, the way he was able to, it's just like he glanced the, the left wall, the 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 the, uh, the armco as he landed. And like you said, he, he turned right and he managed to keep going. I, I still, I'm just thinking to myself, is this car made of concrete or something? It was just incredible that he was able to get back to the pits because I honestly thought, Steering would have been damaged. The undertray would have been damaged. You know, structurally, it would not have been that sound, and yet it was still going. I, I just, am, I'm just stunned that he was able to finish the race. It's amazing. I want to see onboard from crash moment all the way back to the pits. I want to see like how did it handle on the way back to the pits because he did hit the barrier. So mm. was that just a puncher on the on the left rear? Did he? I mean, it's just phenomenal. My my 15 year old said to me when I said, "How's Alonso still in this race?" He said. I don't know, but how he only lost one mirror, the floor should have been murdered, which yep. is a very simple way of explaining how that car should have snapped in half. That's remarkable. It really is. Seventh place for Alpine is critical yeah. because Norris got sixth, which we'll talk about the points in a while. But Harry, that's, I mean, that is a, a phenomenal finish for him. Yeah, that, that was an unbelievable finish considering the circumstances for him. And even Ocon there coming from 20th to 11th is, is pretty impressive as well. You know, three retirements, but still pretty good. The car itself, what Alpine has done and what they're focused on, I think, obviously don't know what it is, but they're focused on something very different to everyone else because their reliability in the weirdest places seems to be on another level. 
And this is, mm-hmm. this is a different an example of that. Um, and just their strengths seem to be very different to every other car on the grid. And yeah. yeah, if not for the Oscar stuff, I think I'd be much more invested in their progress. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. It's funny how we can be so uh, oh, maligned yeah. by by just a simple thing like a an Aussie driver being <laughs> being shunted around. Anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, uh, so Alonso continues strolls out, which is oh, I'll be honest, and I'm his biggest critic. I think it's disappointing for Stroll because this must was, be hurting you. It's hurting me. It's hurting me to say, but this was completely <laughs> not his fault. He handled it well, um, but it could have been an amazing result for him. There's no doubt he should have been well into the points, if not, you know, in that seventh place that uh, that Alonso ended up taking. Um, uh, there was some really nice stuff happened through through the next kind of phase of the race. Nice late breaking move on. I think it was around lap thirty. Leclerc on Perez, like a bit of you know wheel to wheel stuff there. Um, they were going ding dong. It was nice to see a bit of that in the back of the track there, Connor. You know, some some decent action. Decent action. And and look, it took Leclerc two attempts to get the pass done right because when he did it the first attempt, he tried to do it around the outside at turn 13 and he did go off the track. So he'd exceeded track limits, gave the position back to Checo, which was very sensible of him. He didn't want to incur a penalty or a, a reminder from officialdom. He has to give the place back. And he tried again the next lap, dived it down the inside, Got it stuck. It was a great pass, great ding dong passing between those two, and uh, enough respect between them as well to to give each other enough leeway to not cause an accident. I think you're right. The best thing about that was watching it be the onboard is good, where he goes off and he he doesn't concede too much, but he keeps, concedes enough to get just duck in behind Perez, give the place back, and just come again another lap. This is where it unfolds for Red Bull though, because uh, Max comes in for his second stop. And most uncharacteristically, Harry, shocking stop. Not just, oh, there's an extra half second. This was shocking on the front left. Like an eternity to get that Mm. off. And you're right in terms of shocking because Red Bull very much sets the bar in pit performance Mm -hmm. there. And, yeah, completely dropped it. It sort of, for a few minutes there, it felt like Lewis could win. It felt like it. But we we were left to be saddened. You know what? It was close. Let's be honest. Um, mm. Max had to chase down. He had to, had to pass the clerk, which which was a good bit of fun. Um, they went hard, and Charles didn't give up. But it, but that was know, good. He, he yeah. passed in the end. But again, it was it was good, clean racing. But also, and Martin points this out. You know, without the title on board, do you think Max fought harder? Without, if the title was at stake, um, this race, or, or maybe even wasn't even decided this race, and he needed just to to keep keep consistently finishing. Would Max have pushed as hard through these last 20 laps to get Charles and then Lewis, or would he have uh, done it differently, do you think, Connor? I think he would have pushed harder all the same. You know, he, he, yeah, he's, he's one of those drivers that, you know, he'll, he'll win at all costs. Like, he's just, he's determined to win as many races as possible. And he is the best driver on the grid at the moment. He's got the best car behind him, although some might say otherwise, given the the, the recent uh, findings that we might talk about in, in a short while. But the facts are the facts. He's got the best car underneath him, and he's going to use that to great advantage. And that's what he was doing. Um I was a little surprised, though, that Hamilton decided to stick with the, the hards. Uh, obviously, the Mercedes was responding well to the hard tyres, but I was really surprised that he stayed with them after that second stop and Verstappen and Leclerc went for the set of mediums. And quite clearly, in the end, the mediums were the better choice of tyre. But, uh, 
yeah, we just had that hope for a little bit that Hamilton was going to win his first race of the year. It was just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away for Max. He got to, with 10 laps to go, it was about 1.7 second gap. And then it was maybe two more laps after that, there was DRS and it, and it pushed him. But Harry, the best part about this is um, he didn't get him easy. He, Max did not get Lewis easily and Lewis did not give up easily until I'm going to say maybe two laps later, he went, you know what? I've given it everything. Second place is mine. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, there was a brief battle there, but like you say, they sort of got to a point where he, he kind of realized that his, his pace was not the same as Red Bull's. And that was mostly the Red Bull uh, straight line advantage that they were, they were considerably quicker on the straight. And when you combine that with DRS, um, you know, the, the Lewis was eventually going to be the sitting duck there. But in the end, that was still not the best bit of racing that we had in the final few laps of the race. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Sebastian Vettel there was flying from, Mate. I don't know where he came from. Well, I think he was just, initially he was just outside the 10, Um and and he had to get past Yuki K Mag and there might have been one other who I think Pierre who went backwards because of a, a track limits penalty, and so here's Sebastian in the points to be clear I think he was in yes. ninth, K Mag's in eighth K Mag by the way had stayed out I think he one stopped, um, and so K Mag clearly had worse tyres. In fact, in the helicopter shot coming through the twisty bits, I swear to God you saw K Mag essentially undersear across one of the one one of the curbs because it was just there was just no grip but it was awesome to see Vettel put that car in places that I don't think we'd seen cars put for the entire race and that that I think is what's exciting about it Harry is to see someone of his you know skill really push and drive to the end yeah it was really like getting that you know that brief if not just for a laugh lap flashback of prime Seb and just that little bit of reminder of just how amazing he actually was in his prime um and, and what a loss he is going to be for the grid yeah that's spot on um connor daniel didn't end up finishing last he nicholas latifi took that title yeah <laughs> so, I mean, that's Oof. just, that's just i you think know, he's, yeah he's well spoon cabinet doesn't he um but still let's talk individuals here it's not a great race i don't know what happened but he went back he went forward fast he went to 13th having started 15th but then went down and i don't know whether they gave her rats whether he gave her rats whether the strategy was bad we'll never really know but yeah second last for daniel in 16th with three retirements it's not a good look for daniel unfortunately and you know to get no. his place back on the grid he actually needs to perform exactly right and i just think at the moment he's kind of checked out at mclaren uh, and look i think mclaren have done the same they've checked out on him as well but that's no excuse. He has to perform. If he wants to get back on back on the grid in 2024, as he says he's going to do, uh, he needs to perform. And the way he's driving at the moment, there's no way that he's going to get back onto the grid. And the fact that he's now ruled out any chance of doing IndyCar or NASCAR because he's fucking scared of the ovals, <laughs> and that's his words, uh, yeah, I just wonder... Has it? Has he really got it in him to keep racing? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just lost for words. I don't know what else I can say about that. Well, I don't know, Harry. I think that we don't know. Like we never know why moves are made. We don't know why deals are done, and we never really will because these things are all just so private and personal. But you know, I can't think of a deal that's being done that gets him back on the grid in 2024. Because reserve driver for Red Bull, reserve driver for Mercedes, none of those things get you in a car 
in 2023. Like he, he's not a young driver. He can't drive in an FP session. So he, he might get a drive because someone's sick. But let's be honest, before COVID, how often did that even happen? It didn't happen. Exactly um, right. Especially we not never a front saw drivers. And, and Hulk got a couple of races through, you know, sheer timing. George got one. Um, but I, I think that we're past that now. I think we're past the point of sickness giving, giving way to, to drives. So do you, Harry, see any way of him being back on the grid? Um, I'd say it's very unlikely. But in similar to what you said before, like there's, there's got to be, there's a strategy or a plan or an end goal or however you want to put it that we are not seeing. Um, I, I don't think that he's obviously, that the current situation seems like he's going to Red Bull as a reserve driver. And it does not seem like that's a decision that is being made just because he wants to have fun still being around a Formula One team like that. You know, is his goal getting in there to, um, I don't know, maybe do some other marketing things with them over the years across their different sports and titles is he trying to stay around to get a tv gig somewhere um like it's yeah because it, it being a reserve drive for anyone especially red bull and with, with checo looking all right and you've got nick devries now in their stable um it seems unlikely that's going to result in a seat so there's got to be another angle I'm just not sure what it is yeah i think if we try and predict what the angles outside of a seat Impossible because he's a loose unit who I don't think TV would work. I mean, he, I think he, he, he likes the idea of the flexibility of, of freedom of his life and stuff, but I'd love to see him as, as a, as a pundit as they call them, but I just think he's focused on driving, but I just don't see how he gets a drive. Connor, your thoughts? No, I can't see it at the moment. I, I don't even see him being a pundit so early in, in, no, right. in his post race career. You know, he, he just wants to have so much fun and, um, yeah, I feel like he's in a rock and a hard place. It's like he's got this opportunity to go to America if he wants to keep racing, but he's knocked that on the head. He wants to keep racing in Formula One, but you know he's already ruled out that he doesn't want to drive for any other team that's left on the grid, like in Haas and Williams. And, and Williams are now confirmed that if Logan Sargent finishes in the top six in the in the Formula Two championship, he's got that drive, providing he's got enough uh, super license points. Um, and he doesn't want to drive for Haas. And and even Gunther is surprised that Daniel hasn't called him. And, and you know, he, he hasn't made the move to give Daniel a call. He, he wants Daniel to call him. So, you know, I think it's all down to Daniel, really. It's it's all what's going on in his head. And we if won't If you were know. advising Daniel right now, if, if all if forget everything we've heard about where where he's going to do and what he's going to do, what would you advise him to take the Haas seat? I would say you would. I think you could do some really good things in that car. We've seen K Mag do the same thing this year. What about you, Harry? Harry He's gone quiet. He has gone quiet. Do you? There we go. He's back. There we go. I'm back. He had to think about it. It's like I'm I'm on a on a day uh, the day job work call, muting myself there. (laughs) (laughs) You won't mention that to the day job people. Um, Would you advise? Daniel to take the Haas drive, Harry. I think that it, it just depends what he wants, right? Like if if he's if he said to me, all I want to do is race in Formula One again. Of course, mate. You're not like that's basically your only only option now. Like you got to sort of put your ego aside if that is what you want. This is the opportunity. But I, you know, here's, here's my, yeah, you know, not understanding fully his business strategy because he's clearly got one of the best brands in F1 in terms of marketability. I'm taking the Haas drive. Kevin Magnussen, 
I don't yeah. want to spoil Connor's, Connor's uh, fire here, but Kevin Magnuson's 13th in the championship just behind Daniel. K-Mag has scored 24 points. Daniel scored 29. If you look at Mick only scoring 12, that's lucky for Mick. There's no reason why Haas shouldn't have more points because of a better second driver and potentially be ahead of Aston Martin and therefore be seventh on the grid instead of eighth. So there's so many things that you could do and lift Haas, whether it's even you know two places up the championship ahead of Alfa Romeo, because A, you're a better driver, more reliable, less crashes, all those things, right? But marketability-wise, if I was Gunter and I was listening to Daniel, I'd be like, mate, here's the deal. You don't even need to come to the factory, mate. Okay, you just turn up at every race, fit at your best, and you can live in America. Be the American dream for us. In fact, we want you to be. We want you to be marketed. We want you to be on the late night shows more regularly. We want you to be in America more regularly because that's where Hass is, you know, allegedly from. You know, like that's their whole point. Let's embrace that American dream for Formula One, for Hass. And frankly, for Daniel, I, it's a very strange thing that you wouldn't take that role because if he does well, then other seats open up, whether it's Alfa Romeo or other places. It doesn't matter. It, just stay on the grid, mate. Oh, I don't think he's getting back on the grid is what I'm saying. So I think that's that's a real bummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, I guess the only other thing to mention there about seats is uh, you've mentioned quickly Williams, um, Connor with Logan just got to qualify and that's not actually hard to do given – He's got a few sessions. He, he scores points, and he's only going to finish in basically sixth place in the F2, and he's already in third. So it's pretty sure that it's Logan, right? He's going to be Williams? I would say so. Yeah, he's just – I mean, Abu Dhabi is, what, in a month, and that's the last round of the championship. As long as he finishes top six in the championship uh, and he stays out of trouble, he's got those super license points, and he'll be on the grid next year. So leaving Daniel out of the equation, Harry, who do you give the Haas seat to? Um, look, they haven't, they haven't ruled out Mick, right? Like, I, cause at this stage, I don't know why you would go anyone else if you're not going to go Daniel. Well, um, why? I don't know. That's he's what gonna, he's, he talked about. I mean, I just don't understand that. Because he's not, he's not going to do much better than, than Mick's going to do. And you know that that is his absolute, you know, best of what he can do. Whereas with Mick, you've at least got the idea of like, oh, you know, he, he can be better. Yeah, um, it's an odd move if they if they do go that way. Again, could be just another example of how we don't know shit. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is the subtitle of the EFGM F1 podcast, brought to you by KO Sports. We don't know shit, um, but what we do know is that things on KO are like the T20 World Cup. We got uh, supercars on the Gold Coast next week, as well as uh, Mexico Formula One, which we'll talk about. Um, there's netball, there's UFC, um, there's plenty coming up on KO Sports. If you haven't got KO, get it into you, uh, kosports.com.au. Connor, uh, Constructors World Championship wrapped up uh, for Red Bull in, in a canter. Yeah, basically, yeah, they had it all done. 37 points that they acquired uh, from the race, including uh, – no, George got fast slap in the end. So the fi- uh, final positions uh, with three races to go sees Red Bull – the Constructors World Champions for the first time since 2013, 656 points. Ferrari 469 ahead of Mercedes on 416. Now, second in the Constructors Championship is not out of the equation for Mercedes, but they need a lot of things to go their way. Uh, and it definitely went their way today with uh, Carlos retiring on the opening lap. Now, the battle for fourth, it was it's interesting because Alpine now – extend their lead for fourth position by only 11 points over McLaren. So 149 to 138. Alfa Romeo, 52 points. 
They started off the year so strong, and now in the second half of the season, they have scored very few points. They have struggled big time. In fact, they went through like six races where they didn't even score points, and they have not scored any points since the Italian Grand Prix. So that's how far they have fallen off the uh, the pace. Aston Martin, seventh on 49. They could potentially finish sixth in the Constructors' Championship. They're only three points behind, and that's how well they're doing at the moment. Haas are on 36, Alpha Tauri 35, Williams on eight. Struggling. Uh, Drivers' Championship is uh, run and one uh, to max, but uh, Charles and Sergio battling it out for second place. Oh, and it's only a two-point difference between them at the moment. So for Stappen, 391 points. That's already a certain. Leclerc, 267 to Perez on 265. That is very tight, and that is going to go right down to the final race in Abu Dhabi without a question. If Sergio finishes second, that will be the icing on the cake for Red Bull. A Red Bull 1-2, and I don't think they've done a 1-2, oh, gee, since a very long time, since 2010, I think, or however long back. Uh, George Russell now into fourth position on 218. He's ahead of Carlos Sainz now on 202. In fact, Lewis Hamilton's rapidly closing in on Carlos. He's on 198 points. He could still finish in the top five. That's a shock, you know, given the year that he's had. Lando Norris on 109 points. Esteban Ocon, 78. Fernando Alonso, 71. Valtteri Bottas on 46 points. Now, and I don't think they, they did get um, first and second because under with Mark in the seat, he, the best he got was third in the World Championship. Oh, so yeah. Seb mm. first, yeah. So I don't think they've ever done it. So it would be it would be a groundbreaking year for Red Bull to win drivers, constructors, and second, first and second in uh, in drivers. So that, that's pretty good. Just finally, before we go, boys, Red Bull um, spending too much money. Um, it's very clear that the regulations don't really cover this well enough in terms of what should be the fines. There's been some very vocal team managers. They're not going to lose the championship. They're not going to, you know, struggle in any way. But no. it's a pretty embarrassing thing for the sport to put in a cost cap, have it breached, and then essentially just have like a financial penalty for for the team in question. It's sort of it's like the old, um, you know, finding a company for breaking the law. It's just a, the cost of doing business, right? If if you're still getting the profit on top of it, and it's kind of the similar situation here with Red Bull, but. It's, it's yeah. You don't you don't want to strip the championship off them, but it's also what's the deterrence if if you know that you can just get a slap on the wrist for for doing something like that. And that's the challenge for uh, someone like Mercedes going forward because you know Toto's got the cash. Well, he's got mm. to do now and spend it, but will it really get them up to where they want to be? Interesting though, also that you, I heard Mercedes talking about they've got their kind of guiding star for the next year. They know what they need to do with the car for twenty twenty. Three, so that's kind of a fascinating look at it. Connor, you, you you agree? There's not really much you can do about Red Bull, but they need to. It needs to be more than a slap on the wrist to be a deterrent. I agree with that. No, I don't think uh, stripping the world titles off Red Bull are going to do any difference. You know that you can't do like a what the NRL did to the Melbourne Storm when they had their title stripped back in 2010. You can't do that. It would, if they did that, you could see that it would end up in the courts and that would be more money being spent over legalities that would just make just it... embarrassing. Utterly embarrassing, exactly. So you need to... It needs to be a financial penalty and a hefty financial penalty, but how much? Who knows? It could be a slap on the wrist. It could be quite heavy. It's all in the hands of the FIA and I don't know how much they're going to they're gonna put a fine on it. Um, yeah. It's a no-win situation, right. really. And I will say just uh, Tim flag, check it flag. 
Oh, far out. Can we just oh. talk about Tim Cook? Dude, I, I didn't see him actually wave the winning flag. I should replay that. But, you know, by the time Seb came across the line, he was just he was like a, just a flailing wrist. Um, <laughs> and he also wasn't smiling. But, you know, this is the celebrity event. Yeah, Tim Cook, the CEO, waving the, waving the flag. Stefano Domenicali was in, in consultation with Ed Sheeran, Tim Cook and Eddie Q from Apple. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of annoyed by that because I'm like, ESPN just signed more rights. So I don't think Apple's going for any TV rights here, which they should have, which is fascinating. But that's all, um, you know, there was all the regular um, uh, celebrities, including Brad Pitt, who brushed Martin pretty well on the grid, yeah. annoyingly. And just finally, um, Dietrich, the, the, the founder and boss of Red Bull, passed away. And I've got to say, it didn't actually get executed perfectly, but the tribute was great because it was like, he doesn't want a minute silence. Just give him a round of applause and then let's play some Rolling Stones. I <laughs> thought that was a really nice way to, you know, pay tribute to a bloke who's actually had a massive, massive impact on the sport, Connor. Oh, tremendous impact. And like, I remember when first when Red Bull first came into Formula One via Sauber, and I never heard of Red Bull. But uh, you know, as the years wore on, and I I then eventually sampled their product when I was about 19, 20 year old. I thought, oh, now I know why people talk about Red Bull. It is a bloody good product, and their marketing ever since it is exciting. Hey, they don't pay us, mate. No, I know they don't. I know they don't. I'm just saying. Oh, wait, we also I'm just like uh, V and uh, Mother. Uh, yeah. yeah. Good too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying, but the, the culture. Yeah, he's, that a marketing is- guy. he's a marketing guy. He worked for Unilever. He's in Thailand. He stumbles across this drink, uh, works with that, that that company, and and adapts it to be Red Bull. And now, you know, it's one of the biggest brands in the world. And I, you know, outside of Formula One, I'm massive for, for respect for anyone who can build a brand like that. That's amazing to me. But mm. it is also awesome that someone would go. You know what? No, no, I love that sport so much. I want to be you know, the the face and name of it, essentially, and I want my brand to represent it. And, you know, you think about it, it's so much more than a sponsorship, so much more than a sponsorship. It is now something very different. Red Bull make engines broadly through Honda. So yeah. it's a fascinating kind of impact that you have. And there's been great tributes. Um, Mark Webber posted as well, um, you know, just not, not too long before the race about, you know, his his legacy and, and, and impact on someone like Mark Webber's life. And, you know, uh, both Mark Webber and Daniel Ricciardo, the most recent Aussies in Formula One, have a lot to thank the Red Bull family for. And so uh, it, it was a fitting uh, fitting farewell uh, with a round of applause and a bit of Rolling Stones at the uh, United States Grand Prix. Boys, yeah. we've got another race next week, similar time. We've got qualifying 7 a.m. Sunday. Race is 7 a.m. Monday, so an hour later. Uh, and then we've got a week off before Brazil and then straight into Abu Dhabi after that. So we've got another two Early morning races, which is great for Aussies. Um, we don't care what the UK think. And then we round it out with a, a late night of very early morning. Abu Dhabi is a midnight Grand Prix. Boys, uh, thanks to KO Sports. We'll be back again for the Mexican Grand Prix next week. See you then, boys. Stay well. See, See you then. Up.